passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Listen, Dickies, the number one brand in performance workwear knows work is more than just what you do. It's who you are. And just like professional athletes, your work is judged by how you perform on the job. That's why Dickies Flex work pants and shirts are engineered to give you superior mobility, advanced protection, and enhanced durability. And Dickies Flex is backed with Dickies Unconditional Satisfaction Guarantee so you know that the Flex Series is made to work as hard as you do. Dickies Flex, engineered to move, engineered to last. Find out for yourself. The product is amazing. Learn more right now at Dickies.com. It's Dickies.com. <laughs> like, I'm trying, Jennifer. Like, are you serious? Like, are you watching? Can you, see, can you see what's happening? Some people correct me because I didn't put a comma after I'm trying, but I would have said it as a run-on set. Like, I'm trying, Jennifer. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. This is episode 53, and my guest is Portland Trailblazer CJ McCollum. CJ is gold both on and off the floor. The 10th pick in the 2013 NBA draft out of Lehigh, CJ is one of the most thoughtful, interesting, all-around good dudes in the NBA right now. And he is a straight-up assassin with the ball in his hands. A two-time Patriot League Player of the Year in college, he led Lehigh's iconic upset at Duke in the NCAA tournament as a 15 seed. He won the NBA's Most Improved Player Award in 2016. He was the association's best free-throw shooter in 2017. And he's entering his sixth season in PDX, ready to make another run in an absolutely loaded Western Conference. Every time I get a chance to wrap with CJ, it's a good time. But with the NBA season ahead and a busy, busy summer in his rear view, what better time to turn off the clock, crack open a mic, and let it fly with a dude who knows a thing or two about podcasting himself. My conversation with the host of Pull Up with CJ McCollum and Jordan Schultz starts right now. CJ, I got to say, it is really good to have you on this pod because the thing is, I always look forward to rapping with you, except today, I feel like rather than it being a talk show host and a baller, I sort of feel like you and I are doing this podcaster to podcaster because you started your own pod back in April, the pull-up podcast. So in that sense, CJ, game respects game because I know podcasts are not easy to do. Let me start right there. Why did you want to take that on and what's your process and your approach in hosting your podcast? And I just felt like it was a great opportunity for me to to give fans and listeners insight, insight into what it's like to play in the NBA, get authentic stories from other players, musicians, directors, people of interest who can share something and maybe just kind of let, let listeners know that we're normal. We're normal. We go through the same problems, the same issues, the same stress, anxiety, time management stuff as everybody else. And I think that's one of the, the main reasons why I started the podcast. 
you know, listening to your podcast, that's something that you talk about a lot. And I've said this for a number of years when I've done this, CJ, that the fact is we really don't know you guys. We don't know you guys at all. There's no way we could possibly know the athletes that we love just by virtue of a soundbite or watching a game. And I know you do talk about this, that the fact of the matter is you want to find out about yourself while you're still playing. What do you mean by that? Just finding out who I am outside of basketball. I think a lot of times we get caught up in our careers, not just sports, but in general. You're working nine to five, you're clocking in, you're clocking out. That is your life. That's how you provide for your family and kind of what you're known as, whether it's an accountant, a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, you're known as those things. And for me, when you get injured or you go through some type of trial or tribulation, you really find out who you are and what you're about and being able to find other careers, other interests, I call them healthy habits. In order to be successful in life, you need healthy habits outside of what you do every day, whether that's meditation, uh, yoga, reading, uh, golfing, anything outside of what you normally do on a day-to-day basis that's healthy. I like to go eat at certain restaurants. I like to try to meditate and just be mindful of ways to step outside of basketball because you can become over-consumed by trying to win, trying to reach accolades, trying to get to the playoffs, and then you got social media, and you have you know doubters, and you got fans, and it can be overwhelming at times, so you have to figure out ways to escape your reality. And it's always nice to hear certain stories about people. You got a lot of athletes like KD. He likes to play video games. Bron, they like to play 2K. A lot of my uh, teammates, you know, like to like to go do stuff outside of uh, playing basketball to kind of escape and give yourself a little break, whether that's Netflix or just watching movies. You know, there's a lot in that response, and the word that I take away that I think about is mindful. You want to be mindful. You want to think about things. You want to respond to things. I mean, obviously, you've given this a lot of thought. You've thought about this, and you've worked through it. It sounds to me like you've actually had this conversation with a number of other people as well, maybe compared notes. What about some of your peers? Do they approach it the same way? How do guys keep everything in proper perspective and remain mindful? I think as you get older, you try to figure out, you know, who you want to be and what you want to accomplish on and off the court. And that's when you start investing in tech, you start investing in real estate, alternative investments, and really start to diversify not only your portfolio, but who you are as a person. I think it happens later on in your career, but the the good ones figure it out earlier. And just talking to other athletes, talking to other entrepreneurs, and, you know, Jack Dorsey from Twitter and and people of that nature, you really find out uh, how important it is to give yourself me time. You know, whether that's staying away from your phone, just being able to be around loved ones, family, uh, significant other friends, whatever the case may be, being able to just kind of step away and deconnect is, is very important in your lifestyle, and it's how you become more productive. You know, you mentioned social media and what that's like to deal with. I mean, it seems to me it's it's the best thing ever, but it can be the worst thing ever. It just depends how you use it and how you consume it. But NBA social media is something totally different. I mean, I love it. On the whole, I just don't see other athletes in other sports bringing the kind of fire to social that you all do in the association. Why is that? Why do NBAers seem to embrace it so much more? And frankly, why are you better at it? I think it's it's different for everyone. You know, you figure out how to cope with certain messages, how to cope with certain tweets or posts directed at you, comments, and just try to make it as fun as possible, understanding that everybody's not going to like you. Uh, everybody's not going to be on, on page with you. And some people are just trying to get a reaction. So figuring out how to respond to certain things, when to ignore it versus when to address it is is very key. But as, a, as an athlete and as a guy who's been around it for a long time, I've, I've fared well with certain responses and I've fared poorly. So it's just about learning and, and trying to show growth and understanding that we are not perfect beings. We're not going to win every game. We're not going to make every shot. We're not going to make everybody happy. You got to make yourself happy. 
you know, I'm chuckling myself because I feel like I'm kind of a trained professional as well. I've done this a long, long time, and and I really do think hard before I tweet what I tweet. I rethink it. You get burned, man. It's hard. Even the pros, even if you're not lashing out, you can't get burned. At the same time, it can be so much fun. I'm going to argue that you thumbed out the tweet of the entire offseason when a woman named Jennifer Williams jumped in your at mentions. She was unhappy, thinking that maybe you didn't appreciate stars banding together to form super teams. And she said, win a playoff game, then talk, to which you famously responded, I'm trying, Jennifer. I mean, it was a perfect Twitter response and an instant classic. Classic. Did you have any idea how good that tweet was when you fired it off? No, honestly, it was just a normal response that I have you know I'm a bit of a smart aleck at times and and I I like to think that I have witty humor and it was just authentic it was the truth like I'm really trying like (laughs) I just need to understand that players alike we're not trying to lose games you know we we get paid based on performance a lot of times it's it's pride there's a lot of things that go into it and you want to make sure that you put your best foot forward so I think that it was just really authentic and it it received uh, quite the response. It was an amazing response. Let me ask you this, because there really isn't a context necessarily or a tone. Was it kind of like, if you had to say it verbally right when you were typing it, how would it have sounded? Like, I'm trying, Jennifer? Like, uh, I'm trying, Jennifer. Hello? (laughs) Like, I'm trying, Jennifer. Like, are you serious? Are you watching? Can you see see what's happening? Some people corrected me because I didn't put a comma after I'm trying, but... I would have said it as a run-on sentence. Like, I'm trying, Jennifer. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Grammar Police. Would you like to diagram that sentence for me, too? Man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's always something. So any word on Jennifer? I mean, you did make her famous. Have you had any interaction with her since? I haven't lately, but I think we're going to do something for Jennifer and some of the Jennifers out there in the world and probably invite them to a game or something. But it's all in the works. I like it. You know, you mentioned KD. So KD comes on your pull-up pod, and the two of you are having a good time. I mean, it sounds like you're having a great time, kind of jawing back and forth a little bit, but having fun, a couple of peers. And the next thing you know, he's on Twitter, and he tweets, you think that low of me, CJ? I just did your fucking podcast. Snakes in the grass, boy, I tell you. Crying face emoji. Again, CJ, you never know, right, when you read something. Like, when you read that tweet, what went through your mind? I was in China, so I wasn't sure if he was serious, and I, I thought it was funny, so I texted him. And we had talked or whatever, and I knew he was just playing around. And at that point, you know, when I seen the snakes in the grass, I knew he was joking. And I knew there was going to be a big buzz around USAP time. And uh, I knew my podcast was going to be on every national media outlet all across the land and really raise raise, uh, my audience, that's for sure. Some people love me, some people hate me, but a lot of people are are fans from afar. Like Whether it's confused hate for me or KD or real love. Dude, seriously, I mean, there's something to that. I wonder, like, is your, was your reaction like, oh, man, this is good. This is really, really good. Or was your reaction, oh, man, what a pain in the ass. I'm going to have to answer a bunch of questions from a bunch of people who just don't get it. I thought it was funny, but I, I, there's the, the backlash and understanding that it's like some people don't know the type of relationship that we have and that they're going to think that we're actually like, really not friends or really, that we really hate each other, don't get along. And then it's going to create unnecessary, you know, people that are saying, well, CJ is a he's a this or that or Katie's a this or that and it's like actually I get along with I get along with pretty much everybody like I don't have no problems with people and uh, we just thought it was funny because they don't understand or, or here's the conversations that we have offline exactly 
I mean, exactly. And if it's one tweet or one line with no perspective and no context, there's no way. How could you possibly explain your relationship with a guy like that, him to you and you to him, with one tweet? I get that. Now, something you just said is really funny. You you said, look, I don't have a problem with anybody. I don't have any issues. And it's true. Like, you're famously upbeat. There was a really funny piece, well, an interesting piece in The Athletic, where recently you were angry at somebody for one of the rare times in recent memory. What happened? Uh, this lady took my overhead space on the plane, and uh, I just asked if I could move her bag above her seat because I didn't really want to, you know, be walking around the plane to get my bags. And she she obliged. She was basically like, "Yeah, no problem." And then someone else who didn't know the lady or me decided to, uh, you know, kind of interject and, and share her opinions on how I'm such a jerk and I shouldn't touch other people's bags and you know, running on and on. I'm just like, lady, you don't even know me. I literally asked her if it was okay for for me to move it above her seat. There's no, there's no serious issues here. I didn't throw her bag. I gently placed it in the overhead. <laughs> and I shared some words with her, put my headphones on, and then continued on my day. So what do you think her deal is? Is she a Golden State fan or just a miserable person? Uh, I'm going to go with miserable person because Golden <laughs> State fans aren't miserable. <laughs> no, right? Well, well handled. All right, so in sports, there are smart moves, and then there are not-so-smart moves. Same thing is true when you're hiring. There are smart ways to do it and some not-so-smart ways to get things done, like job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. That's just not smart. But posting a job on ZipRecruiter and letting them find the right candidates for you, that is smart. In fact, that's brilliant. ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, thousands. It identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why it is rated number one by employers in the U.S. based on trust pilot rating of hiring sites with at least 1,000 reviews. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com clones. Once again, it's free. The service is amazing, and you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash clones, C-L-O-N-E-S. If you're looking for a smart way to find the right talent for your team, simply go to ZipRecruiter.com slash clones today. I'm telling you, ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. If you ride, and I'm not saying I do or I don't or whatever, but if you ride up front and there's overhead space over your head because you've got your stuff under the seat in front of you and somebody's getting on late and they're holding the plane up and they're running to the back and they put their stuff in your overhead compartment but they're sitting in the back. Is that cool? Is that all right? Well, there's rules on the plane. Uh, first class, first class, put first class bags up there and then it goes constantly down. But if I'm not using overhead space. I don't care who uses it. But if I need my stuff in the overhead space, you're right. not taking my overhead space. You better use somebody else. <laughs> that makes sense to me. I got that. I got that. All right. So you otherwise, just, it's free game. Like if my stuff's under the seat, like go for it. Like I don't care. I agree with you. That makes sense to me. That makes sense. Listen, you were talking about when you talk to some other people and like real estate. Real estate comes up by virtue of how well you've done. I mean, if you wanted to, you could buy virtually any piece of real estate anywhere because you've put in the time. You've had a lot of success. But I want to ask you about a particular house, the one at three hundred eight East Fifth. 308 East 5th. What is the significance of that house? What's the story behind that house? Uh, that's the house we rented in college. Uh, Gabe Knudsen, Holden Grinder, Jordan Turner, those are my roommates uh, in college. So, uh, two teammates and one regular student. Well, I'm still friends with to this day. And we just share a lot of memories in that house. A lot of parties, a lot of great interactions, a lot of conversations, cook-offs in the kitchen. 
uh, fest, uh, festivities in the kitchen on the on the tables and just a a great great experience one I'll never forget and I'm gonna have to go back and buy some houses on East History and I look forward to it. I see that's the thing, right? I mean, we think about where we lived in college. We think about some of the best times of our life in college. No matter how well you do once you get out. But all that said, I mean, you did some serious soul searching in that house, right? Yeah, some serious. Yeah, like you went through some I went stuff, through some injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through a fractured foot in that house, having to go up the stairs, crawling down the stairs, sitting in the shower because I couldn't stand up, all that stuff. All right, so when you're a player like you were and you've got all that time and you can't play and you've just got a lot of time, right? You've got a lot of time to think about things and you can't really do much. Like, what did you find out about yourself during that time in that house? Well, I, I, I got really good at going to happy hour, getting the happy hour specials, full meals <laughs> for about six bucks. Right. <laughs> full meals for about six bucks, but... Uh, honestly, you just really dig deep, man, figuring out what you want to do with your life, what you want to accomplish, and, and the importance of education and strengthening the mind was, was big for me. You know, reading a lot of different books, uh, finishing school early, and then getting ready for pre-draft, and just being able to sharpen my mind so that, you know, if I wanted to accomplish something, nothing would stop me. A broken foot wouldn't stop me, you know, bad calls wouldn't stop me, bad breaks in life would stop me, missed shots, whatever the case may be, I was I was determined uh, to succeed, and I think going through all those, you know, injuries and you know, re-breaking my foot my rookie year, uh, fracturing my index finger, all that stuff was just uh, really good for my character and really good for my appreciation of not just basketball, but appreciating, like, life in general. You know, I wonder, so when you get to the NBA and you'd already gone through that process, but then it starts again, right? I mean, it's one thing if you're laid up and you can't do anything, but then you're in the NBA and you're waiting for your opportunity and then you get busted up again through no fault of your own, injuries or injuries. But as you went through that thing all over again, what was your mindset at that point? What were you dealing with? Yeah, you just you feel sorry for yourself. I mean, you, you, you go through the why me and you start doubting, like, is this for me? You know, am I going to be able to be successful? Like, how am I going to recover from this? Will I be the same? And you go through all that stuff and then you realize that, hey, man, I've been through this before. You know, God wouldn't put me in this position if I wasn't capable of overcoming it and I'm going to be a better person. At the very least, I'm going to just appreciate being able to go out on the court and shoot, being able to go out on the court and cut, being able to brush my teeth with my right hand, being able to sit down uh, without crutches, you know, being able to stand up without crutches, all that stuff you go through makes you appreciate life that much more so that when you are healthy again and you are able to play the game you love, you don't take it for granted you know, because you remember what it was like to have it taken away from you. And I think that's just the joy I have in life is just that you, know, you get to see the other side of certain situations. Coming from Canton, Ohio, I've seen a lot of situations and seen a lot of unfortunate things that I don't want to be a part of and I want to distance myself from. As a listener to this podcast, you already know this, but the fact is we can get practically everything now on demand. Take the podcast, listen whenever you want, when it's convenient for you. So let me ask you this. If you understand that, why are you still taking trips to the post office to mail letters and packages when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Just click, print, mail, bam, you're done. It could not be any easier. I kick myself for not using Stamps.com sooner. It is so easy. It is so convenient. It saves me so much time. But find out for yourself right now. 
Be sure to use Rome for this special offer. It includes up to $55 of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait. I'm telling you, do not waste another second. Go to Stamps.com, and then before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the very top of the homepage. Type in my last name, Rome. Once again, Stamps.com, enter Rome. You are a diehard Cleveland Browns fan. CJ, most people know this. I mean, ride or die. And I was saying on one of our other podcasts that I do, the RPO, which I co-host with two-time Super Bowl winner Trevor Price, that I hate blaming shit on the refs. I just, on the, I, I hate that. I mean, scoreboard, right? Look up at it. Nobody cares. Right. Nobody wants to hear it. But right. that said, man, how hard did the refs jam your Browns against the Raiders on Sunday? Did they jam them hard enough to cost them that game? Honestly, man, I never want to blame things on the refs. There were some controversial calls both ways. I think Marshawn probably could have scored a touchdown or came close to it on the uh, down. They didn't, or when they called him down prematurely when he was still up. But you know, to, to just misjudge that fumble was was hard. That was hard to watch. And then the spot, it was just back to back. You know, end of the game, fourth quarter. You want to make sure that they're performing and being as fair as possible. And you never want to say that a ref is trying to decide a game, but those were two blatantly missed calls. And if you want to give them the spotting one, you know, a break because they reviewed it, the fumble was a fumble. There was a fumble everywhere. That was a fumble in college, a fumble in high school, a fumble in middle school. That was a fumble in flag football. So it's hard to, to see that. But, you know, adversity happens, and now we got to move forward and figure out a way to beat these Baltimore Ravens this week. Sounds like you've turned the page on that already, but in the aftermath, and by the way, that spot, that was not a good spot, and and wh- how are you overturning that? I Look, I don't want to get caught up in that, but I think you got jammed both ways. It sounds like you've turned the page, you understand this, but in the aftermath, of course, your guy Damian Lillard is a hardcore Raider fan. You're the Browns fan. I know the two of you were thinking about getting down before the game. Did you guys ever end up making a bet? Well, we did. We did make some bets, and we actually got down to the game. We were there for three three quarters and some change, where we had to get back to Portland for our uh, inter squad scrimmage and fan fest. But I lost a few dollars, and you know, it's I'm blaming the refs. I'm blaming the lack of execution. I'm blaming a lot of things on it. But there'll be plenty more games for us to to bounce back. I don't need to say this to make you feel better because you know this stuff already, but I'm telling you, I said it on the show, I I would rather be, and you don't say this a lot, not in recent years, I would rather be the Browns than the Raiders right now. I would much rather be them than the other guy. Maybe they got scoreboard on you this time. I would rather be the Browns. We're heading in the right direction, honestly. I think we're building a winning culture. we got the right players. We've got a lot of skill on the field. Juice is is helping us a lot. Obviously, Baker's selling in that quarterback. We have a great uh, front seven. we got safeties we got Denzel Ward we got Marius Randall we got a lot of really good players who are uh, helping turn our franchise around yeah, Juice is helping you a lot. I mean, all those guys are helping. Let me ask you this. I love getting a, a star athlete's thought on another athlete because I just think you, you you know. You're intuitive like that. Baker Mayfield, to me, is a really different dude, and I mean that in the best way possible. I love this guy. From the outside looking in, what do you think about his mindset and the mentality he brings to it? Nah, I think he has a killer mentality and uh, an underdog mentality. You know, being a walk-on, having to – to, you know, kind of create your own path is, is something I take pride in, and being able to see him, you know, win the Heisman, be the first pick in the draft, uh, never lose a Big 12 championship. He has great moxie. He has poise in the pocket. Gets the ball out quick, and it seems like he has an infectious personality. It seems like his teammates really want him to succeed, and uh, that's saying a lot in this league. You know, you know, a league with a, bu- a bunch of grown men. When people are cheering for you and, and want you to do the best, 
Uh, that, that kind of shows what type of character you have, what type of leadership you have, and him not playing with the ones all preseason, all through training camp, and being able to go out there and succeed with the ones in his first game, you know, under center, just kind of shows you how how serious he takes this game and how much he's paying attention to the uh, playbook. CJ, you just made a really interesting point, and I've always wondered about this. If you're a young guy, and when you came in the NBA, maybe you saw some of this yourself. When you're a young guy and you're thrust into that situation like Baker Mayfield is, if you're a young guy, how are you supposed to get the attention and lead like literally grown-ass men, vets, guys who've been there already for a long time? Yeah, I think you lead by example first and foremost. You know, you're getting there early, you're locked in, you're not making little mistakes, you know, understanding the play calls. Uh, they see your work ethic early, and then they're like, okay, there's a reason why he's number one pick. We know he has skill. How's his moxie? You know, how does he address us in the, in the huddle? You know, is he is he practicing what he preaches? Things of that nature. And I think that as a quarterback, you have to be able to command a crowd. You got to be able to command a crowd, look people in the eyes, and when you do wrong, you got to be able to accept criticism. And when someone else does wrong, you got to be able to to uplift them while letting them know that they they failed at whatever they were trying to accomplish. But I think that yeah, he's a born leader. I think he was a born leader, and it's obvious in you know his rise to stardom. You know, having to having to go through some of the things he's gone through up to this point uh, to get the starting job at Oklahoma, transferring there. And I think the coaches didn't even know he was transferring in. You know, so they had no idea who he was. And to earn a earn a starting spot out of that situation just shows you, you know, how he's able to, you know, come. You know, like Drake said, start from the bottom and work your way up. I'm fascinated by leadership and what you just said. If he's a born leader, I mean, like, you know, some guys are wired for it, right? Some guys just have that it. But leaders, right. and you you think about this, I'm sure, are, are great leaders born or are they made? I think it's a combination. You have to have something within you, and then you kind of learn from, from experiences throughout life, whether that's in sports or just day-to-day living in school, in the classroom, outside of recess. You learn from the situations around you, and you figure out how you responded to certain criticisms how you responded to certain coaching, and then you figure out uh, how to receive it and how to dish it out. And I think that as you grow as a player and as a person, uh, you, you gain that balance, you gain that confidence, and it all stems from work ethic. When you work hard at something, people will naturally respect you because you work hard. So then when you speak up or when you point something out, they're more inclined to listen to you because they see the, how serious you take the game and how hard you work. You know, I'll tell you, speaking of, in addition to yourself, your brother. I always like to get an update on your brother, Eric, who's a legendary baller in his own right. He once put up 82 in a game in the Chinese Basketball Association. He's a Euro Cup champion and MVP. One of the best ballers on the planet who's not in the NBA right now. Bring me up to date. Where is he? How is he? What's he up to? No, I appreciate you. Bro, uh, I was actually texting him before I called you. Cool. He's in, uh, he's in Russia right now playing for Unis Kazan. I think it's Unis Kazan. I'm going to look it up to make sure uh, to make sure I'm saying it right. But he actually has a Euro Cup. He has a Euro Cup game tomorrow in Montenegro. Yep, he plays for BC Unis Kazan. And uh, he actually just got there recently. He just got there like, I don't know, a week ago. And they play Monar. So that's their uh, Euro Cup game. So I'm looking forward to watching it play. I will be tuned in. I have the Euro League pass. <laughs> so I'll be watching on my app in between practicing games. And uh, we put a lot of work in this summer, so it's going to be another productive year for him. Dude, I love that. I, I love the love that you guys have for each other and the way you guys – I mean, I, you're probably going to argue, right, that neither one of you would be where you are without the other, obviously. Absolutely. No way I make it to the NBA without him. Uh, no, no chance. He pushed me to work hard. He taught me how to – you know, carry myself as a man. He taught me how to study, how to study the game. 
and figure out ways to improve and push me during the entire process. So uh, without him uplifting me, there's no chance I'll make it this far. CJ, I know you're having a long day before I let you go, and I appreciate that there are no days off. You know, you guys, the team had such an amazing regular season last year. You finished third overall in the West, and then you had a rough postseason where you got swept in the first round by the Pelicans. Given what you all put into it and how the regular season went, how long did it take you to get that loss out of your system? Man, it took a long time, honestly. You know, watching the playoffs after you're eliminated, it hurts. It hurts, you know, seeing ways you could have you know, impacted this series better. A couple of turnovers here, a couple of blown assignments there, missed shots, uh, misreads. Uh, it drives you crazy. Then you, you you settle down, watch the film, and then you use that as motivation throughout the year, figuring out ways to improve, figuring out ways to never have that feeling again. So I would say it took a little while, probably until I started really working out again. And even while I was working out, it was still in the back of my mind. And even today. When you step out on that court, you know, there's, if there's something, is there not something in you that, that doesn't remind you of what you've gone through in the past? Um, I think that it's all, it's in our nature to, to kind of think about some of those failures and use that as motivation to drive you forward. Even on days where you don't feel like working out or you feel a little bit more sore, you go back to those times that where you were at your lowest point and that's what drives you forward. You know, having said that, I know that you enter every single season with a sense of urgency. I mean, that's a given. But when you consider how that season ended and the fact that this team just hasn't had postseason success, is it in the back of your mind that if you don't take the next step this season, the management might look to break this thing up? I think we're all mature enough to understand how the business works. Um, you figure out, you know, ways to improve individually, ways to improve collectively. And uh, I always say that I put so much work in in the summertime, I can live with the results. So whatever happens this season, I can live with it knowing that I put myself in the best position possible to be prepared to succeed. You know, uh, obviously you want to be in a situation for as long as possible. and You want to be a lifer. You want to go through those type of things. But uh, some some things are out of your control. You can only control your mindset, how you approach the game. And I've always had a sense of urgency and I've always been paranoid, regardless of circumstances. I know how I got to this point and I know how quick you can lose it all. So I approach every season the same way, whether it's a contract year or not, because you never know what's going to happen. Mm, you know, speaking of the summer, the, all the reports are that you came in and your body fat percentage is the lowest it's ever been. But then there was a report this week from Yahoo Sports that you had a PRP injection during the offseason in your right knee. Was that true? And how's your knee right now? Oh, yeah, I'm great. That was six months ago, man. I, I'm surprised it's even a story. A lot of players go through you know, uh, minor treatments in, in the offseason after long Long seasons of of lots of miles. If they if they had the uh, the rap sheet on all the players that get PRP and certain types of treatment in the summer, there would be lots of articles coming out you know, every year. I'm great. I played 81 games. The only game I missed was a suspension. I played every game in the playoffs, and I took a I took a long break in the summer, like I do every season. You know, about seven or eight weeks off the basketball court, where I'm only focusing on my body, focusing on my body fat, my diet, movements, and figuring out ways uh, to prevent pounding. On, on not only the knees, but the cartilages and everything. But I'm great. MRIs came back clean six months ago. Uh, that was just more of a rest, a resting precaution, you know, rest in the summertime early on, and you push it and figure out ways to improve. And that's what I've done. I haven't missed a practice in years. Did you, in addition to all that, you are working your side hustle hard. And again, you can do whatever you want when your career is over or essentially nothing at all if that's what you wanted. But you really are all in on the media. Since you and I have been talking, since you got into the league, you've talked about this. You have your podcast. I mean, dude, honestly, what you and I are doing right now, this is not an interview. This is a conversation. This is effortless for you. What do you want to do specifically with the media going forward? And what do you like about that process? 
Yeah, I'm just continuing <clears throat> continue to try to diversify my portfolio. I think that's the biggest thing. Figure out what you like, figure out how to improve, and tell a story. Everyone likes to hear good stories. So figure out how to tell a good story where you get a point across and maybe share a side that someone didn't expect to hear. And just being able to impact people's lives has been very important to me. So going forward, just figuring out ways to positively impact the lives of others, whether that be through video, conversation, podcast, radio, and uh, continue to you know, talk to, to people who are experienced, have wisdom, and have done it before, like you, so I can learn tips, share stories, and uh, just have those authentic relationships to where it's genuine and it means something. Dude, so that's yeah. kind of... You know where I'm heading, and you got to come on the podcast at some point, man. You're welcome to to share your stories, uh, to have this genuine conversation that we're having now, and to continue to engage more listeners. My man, it would be an honor. It would be an honor. I want I want to say really quickly what you just said. You you hit on something that I think that a lot of people in our business, my business, what is now your business, don't figure out until much later on, and you figured this out early on. It is about stories, great great stories, and it's about genuine, authentic relationships. I mean, those are two of the most important things, and you've already figured that out. I saw you had a chance to sit down with the commissioner, and you've done that now for several years. That's got to be a kick. I do have to ask, though, did you sit down with the dude who preceded the dude that you now sit with? Because that guy was kind of a pain in the ass. I have never sat down with the dude who preceded the guy that has taken over. They don't. Uh, <laughs> I have only interviewed Mark Tatum, who's deputy commissioner now, along with Adam Silver. Those are uh, the people that I have interviewed, along with Kiki and some others who work uh, in the NBA and the BPA. All good dudes. Last thought. I, guys who sometimes don't want to talk about their things. I saw that you roll an Aston Martin, man. That is an absolutely amazing, amazing rig. You got to be a car guy if you drive a car like that. How is that ride? <laughs> I love it. I, I actually had it built uh, a year, a year and a half ago for my 25th or 20, I can't remember, 26th birthday maybe. And uh, it's just how I imagined it. Gloss black, gloss silver, roof straight, uh, black and red interior, DB11. It's my, one of my babies, but Mercedes has been taking good care of me lately, so I gotta shout out my 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 friends at Mercedes. Okay. What do you like? What kind of bands? What kind of bands do you like? My my well, everybody in my family has a Benz. My brother has an SUV. My dad has a, a '63 or '65 AMG. His is like a chalk white. My mom has a white Benz four door Benz convertible, but we're going to get her a, a truck at some point. I think she likes the. Uh, uh, GL45 or whatever it's called. It's like a like a coupe SUV. It's really nice. I think I want to drive a G-Wagon here shortly, but I've been driving the SUV and the uh, coupe 60, I think it's 63 AMG, but I think I'm going to go back to the G-Wagon for a little bit. Can I tell you one last thought? And since you know this as well as anybody, like they're not going to like us. No, ma- no matter what, some people listening to this are going to love us and some are not going to like us. I'm just going to say it. I've had that 65, the S65. Once you get to that level of power, it's hard to go back, man. There's just something to it. It's almost like a drug. It's incredible. Oh, well, I look forward to that. Then I look forward to getting that fully loaded uh, G-Wagon and testing that out before I go back to the 65. CJ, listen, I can't say how much I appreciate you because I respect the grind and how much time you put in every single day. And that was a long time we just had. That That is an amazing podcast. Never mind basketball. You should be really proud with what you're doing with your media empire. So really great to get caught up. I would love to take you up on the invite. Let's make that happen. And it was so good to have you on this podcast. I appreciate you, man. I'll be reaching out shortly. I'll, I'll have my people get in touch with your people so we can set this up. My man, just know that I'm not as interesting as you are. Just know that going in. Nah, the conversation will be epic, so no worries.
Let me shout out for a minute to my building professionals. Check this out. If you're a contractor or a builder or a remodeler, Lumber Liquidators Pro Plus is the only partner you're ever going to need for all your flooring needs. With special pro-only pricing and dedicated support, LL Pro Plus will help you get your flooring jobs done quickly and profitably. Are you worried about selection and availability? Do not be. Lumber Liquidators has over 150 million, million square feet of flooring available with over 100,000 square feet in stock in most stores. Plus, they stock professional grade adhesives, underlayment, molding, tools, fasteners, and grout, so you get exactly what you need when you need it. If you're too busy to pick up your flooring, that's also not a problem because the LL Pro Plus team will deliver it right to your job. And with LL Pro Plus, you can even get a business line of credit. So put the LL Pro Plus flooring experts on your team right now. Visit your local Lumber Liquidator store or go to LumberLiquidators.com slash pro sales. Once again, walk right into a store or go to LumberLiquidators.com slash pro sales today. Many thanks to CJ McCollum for jumping on and spending as much time with us as he did. My man is different now. Super open, honest, extremely driven, and one of these dudes where I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. If you like the conversation or you have any questions about what you just heard, hit me up on Twitter. And for this week, go ahead and tag CJ as well. He's at CJ McCollum. And while you're here, make sure you get subscribed to the podcast if you have not done so already. That way, it will find you and you will never have to go looking for it. As always, thank you very much for checking out the podcast. And if you're here waiting on some voicemails, your wait is over. Here they are, and I will see you all next week. First new message. Diego, Supercharger, San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. <laughs> message deleted. Next message. Romy, what's up? It's Lauren in Naples. It's been a while. Just want to say, go Rams. See on the Super Bowl. Smack down. Girly, got it. Done. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Jim. It's Mike from the 574, watching Notre Dame kick number seven Stanford's ass. Go fucking Irish. Hell yeah. Peace out. Message saved. Next message. What's up, Romy? Your boy over at UCLA? I guess making over four million years to get you on for a record, huh? Man, that's, that's good money if you can get it, huh? All right. Love you, Romy. Okay, bye. Message saved. Next message. Fitzpatrick, you are a backup quarterback. Dude, you are a journeyman. You see what this guy is. He's a turnover machine. He's a guy that does not produce. Ryan Fitzpatrick, you suck, you jerk. You're an asshole, dude. You suck. You're a cocky, arrogant asshole who's a backup quarterback. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Vance Smack. This is Rob from Woodland Hills. I just heard your Ron Say podcast. Um, he was my favorite player, too. And you're not going to believe this, but I did the same exact thing you did. When I was about 18, 19 years old, I saw Say by the El Camino Shopping Center. I followed him all the way to his house. But unlike you, I didn't stop and get out of my car. I uh, just watched him get out of his car, and then I kept, I kept driving. Message deleted. Next message. Matt in L.A. is a low-life bum. Criminal. Message deleted. You have no more messages.
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.